When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. A 50% devaluation of the US dollar over a five-year time span. That's what I'm predicting. That's what we'll be discussing today. You know, the idea of a dollar collapse is by no means a novel idea. I'm sure as long as the dollar has been in existence, somebody's been out there predicting its eventual collapse. And certainly over the last roughly 10 years, I think there's been some renewed interest in the topic with the advent of the the Great Recession, the financial crisis, uh, 0% interest rate policy, uh, QE, and of course, the ever-increasing debt at the sovereign, corporate, and consumer level. And yet, you know, I think many in this community and elsewhere, you know, erroneously believe that the U.S. dollar collapse has to be some sort of singular event, that one day it's there and the next day through means of hyperinflation or otherwise, it's no longer going to be there or that this is something that has to happen over a, a week or a month or a year. When in reality, you know, one could argue many argue, including myself, that the U.S. dollar collapse started a long time ago and it continues today. In fact, you know, this is evidenced by by the U.S. dollar having lost something like 97% of its value, 97 plus percent of its value since the Federal Reserve was created in 1913. I think that that qualifies as a collapse. It's just not what many, many people have in their head as a collapse. Uh, you know, a, a good example would be the the Roman Empire. Of course, the Roman Empire, uh, you know, officially the Western Roman Empire collapsed sometime in the 400s AD. And yet, you know, I think many historians would argue that many historians, which, by the way, are are much more well versed than I am, that, yes, maybe that's when Rome fell. But the collapse of the Roman Empire started long before that. And one could argue that the Roman Empire lived on beyond the fall of Rome because, because of course, there was the Eastern Roman Empire, which eventually turned into the Byzantine Empire, etc., which lasted you know, almost a, another thousand years. And I think that that can be the case for the U.S. dollar as well and, and the U.S. empire as a whole, whichever one we're talking about here. Uh, the Yes, we can talk about a 50% devaluation in five years, 90%, right? 95%. And yet, both of those things, the U.S., and the U.S. dollar can continue to, to exist uh, just as a shadow of their former self. A good example for that would be, you know, the the Roman Empire, or not just the Roman Empire, but but the British Empire, right? Of course, the British Empire. That you know what the saying goes that the sun never set on the British Empire, and yet today. You could argue it still exists as the UK, and yeah, they still do have some territories around the world, but certainly a shadow of its former self in terms of wealth, in terms of influence, in terms of power. Yeah, I mean, are they considered a superpower today? No, absolutely not, right? And so I think the same can be true for the U.S. and the U.S. dollar. So enough about that. Getting to this prediction I'm talking about, this 50% devaluation. Now, I could go on and on about why I think this is going to take place. And, you know, at the end of the day, there's going to be some things that even I, you know, 
nobody will be able to predict, even I, as if I'm some sort of an expert or something, but no, that nobody will be be able to predict with excellent precision. And I think another important thing to keep in mind is that I'm not necessarily talking about five years from today. Now, I think that this, this time period that I'm talking about is coming up here next year, next year or two, certainly. Um, and also, you know, the 50%, it could be more than that. But I certainly do think that 50% is is very likely, and it could be more than that. Again, some of this is just very difficult to predict. Um, so, no, I can't give you a perfect timeline, a timeline, a perfect uh, amount of, of exactly how much it will be devalued. Um, and, and certainly I can't give you every single reason, but I do want to focus on three primary reasons for why I think this is going to be the case. So number one on this list, of course, this is in no particular order. I think all three of these go hand in hand. But number one on this list is the national debt, the U.S. national debt. Now, I made a video about this recently and why I think this is so important to consider going forward. And it was titled something, I encourage you to watch it, it was titled something along the lines of who is going to buy $30 trillion of U.S. debt in 10 years? And that's a great question. I mean, we have, you know, something like $22 trillion of debt right now. And, and you look at who holds that in terms of a foreign governments, uh, uh, foreign investors, domestic uh, investors, etc. And of course, the Federal Reserve. And yet you're looking at more than doubling that in 10 years. And of course, that was going off of, of kind of a model that was put out there by Alistair McLeod. Now it could 50 billion, uh, sorry, 30 billion. Uh, it could be 20 billion. It could be 40 billion, or sorry, trillion over the next 10 years. Either way, it's a, it's a lot of of additional debt in a relatively short time span, and you have to ask yourself who's going to buy that. Because if you watch that video and if you look at some of the data recently over the last couple of years about who is buying that debt, you know the the, the number one buyer of U.S. Treasury bonds over the last year has been domestic investors, you know, pension funds, hedge funds, etc. It has not been China or Japan or some other foreign company or or or, or foreign uh, central bank or government that's been buying these these bonds. It's been primarily domestic investors, and, and you have to ask yourself, you know, just how much can they continue to buy, right? How many years in a row of, of financing uh, $1 trillion plus of, of U.S. Uh, uh, deficits can they ultimately, uh, uh, you know, ante up that money? I, how, how large is our, our, our domestic investment market? Uh, at what point do they draw too much away from, from other really critical parts of, of the U.S. markets, whether that's a stock market, real estate market, et cetera, and how much can foreign investors move into bonds? And, you know, the other thing to keep in mind is that you, you have to, to, to ask yourself, you know, uh, 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 when, when things like inflation come to mind or, or even just a low yields on, on these bonds, you know, what is investment demand going to be like going forward if the yields continue, you know, on the 10-year to, to hover in between 25 and 3%? You know, at what point is that not enough for investors with ever-increasing deficits? So I think that's number one on the list. Um, number one on the list is this deficit problem and who is going to finance that debt? Of course, I think the answer to this question to, to kind of reveal part of this end game to you guys is it's going to be the Federal Reserve. They'll be forced to. Okay, but number two on this list and, and part of why they'll be forced to, I think, in a in pretty short time span here coming up quickly is going to be 
another economic downturn. That's number two on this list of, of why I think this devaluation is going to have to occur. That's going to be another recession. And again, this goes back to the national debt. What is the national debt going to look like during the next recession? Well, we saw what happened during the last recession, right? We saw what happened during the dot-com bubble as well. In fact, we were running surpluses in what, like the late 90s, early 2000s? The dot-com bubble came around, and of course, 9-11 and Afghanistan and Iraq, etc. But but spending ballooned, right? Over Under the Bush administration, you saw debt essentially double from roughly 5 to roughly $10 trillion. And then at the end of his uh, eight years in office and beginning of Obama's, we had the Great Recession and we had the financial crisis. And during that time span, we saw it essentially double again during Obama's eight years, right? Finance, massive uh, you know, government bailouts and, and stimulus programs, et cetera, to, to try and jumpstart the U.S. economy and save the financial system. You had declining tax receipts. And, you know, keep in mind, relating this back to the debt market and whatnot, this was in this this massive uh, U.S. Treasury bond bull market that's been dating back to the 1980s, meaning that yields didn't go crazy high during these really high deficits. No, they as a whole have fallen since the financial crisis, since the Great Recession. And so even with, you know, they still had this tailwind of fallen rates despite these out-of-control deficits. And you have to ask yourself next time around, we could be looking at, you know, right now we're looking at north of $1 trillion in deficits, creeping up on $1.5 trillion during supposedly strong economic times. During the next recession, $2 trillion, I think, is going to be a piece of cake for, for, for our, our government to, to kind of blow through that type of money uh, through, through declining uh, tax uh, revenues and, and increased expenses. $3 trillion? Four trillion. I think you know if it gets bad enough, four trillion, even five trillion over a one-year time span is not at all out of the question. Just like if you ask somebody back in in the early two thousands, would would we see two trillion uh, plus dollar deficits during during a recession? They would probably say, no, nah, probably not. Um, and I think today many mainstream people would dismiss the idea of a four trillion dollar deficit. And yeah, I think it's absolutely a, a real possibility. And again, it goes back to who's going to finance that. Who's going to finance that type of spending? Is it going to be foreign governments? Well, we'll get to that here in a second. But but is it going to be domestic investors, pension funds, which are already going to be losing a massive amount of their holdings and will likely need a bailout? Is it going to be hedge funds or mutual funds or or some other you know uh, uh, funds that are directly related to U.S. consumers? Their ability to buy it is already diminished. They've already, I think, bought... <laughs> trillions and trillions, obviously. And I think their ability to, to buy more is already limited. What's it going to look like when their overall you know, portfolio value is, is uh, uh, A, being shrunk by inflation and B, really diminished because of a crash in the stock market or the real estate market uh, or both? You know, what is their ability to, to, to finance something like a three or four trillion dollar deficit going to look like? It's, it's going to be very, very limited, Right. And that brings us to the third one here, talking about uh, internationally and, and even, you know, nationally in terms of, 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 you know, the real market makers and these big funds and, and whatnot. You know, what are, are, what is their perception of the dollar and of bonds going to look like in such a period? Because I can tell you that already we're, we're seeing evidence of, of just a decreased tolerance 
for increasing deficits and, and increasing debt, right? You're seeing this, again, as evidenced by by uh, uh, central banks around the world and treasuries not really financing most of the last year's worth of, of deficits, right? China or Japan, Russia, of course, has sold a, a huge chunk of their treasury holdings, of course, uh, relatively speaking, they, they didn't hold a whole lot. But even uh, China or Japan, uh, as a whole, they've been tapering off their buying or even selling some of their bonds. I mean, that's a crazy thing here that that China, Japan, they don't necessarily have to dump all their treasury holdings in this next recession. Heck, they can even buy some. They can buy uh, each. They could buy a quarter trillion each a year, which would be quite a bit for both of them. I think difficult for them to do in such a period, in, in such an environment. And it's still not going to be close to enough, right? You could have, just to put this, you know, put some numbers here. Let's say we're talking about a $3 trillion deficit. You could have China alone buy a quarter trillion. You could have Japan buy a quarter trillion. And you could have the rest of the world finance another half trillion, okay? Now you finance one trillion. How are you going to finance the other $2 trillion worth of that debt? Again, I think domestic markets are going to be tapped out. And ultimately, that leads um, to two paths. First of all, higher yields and lower prices, so that maybe maybe new buyers will come in and, and, and potentially uh, consider, uh, you know, increasing their holdings of U.S. debt. But of course, the problem with that is is slower economic growth because we're already in a very high debt environment and a low, relatively speaking, low rate environment. If you crank up rates. Or if yields rise significantly, then uh, I think uh, the end result of that is going to be much slower economic growth. And in fact, you know, with this, you know, kind of crowding out of the overall market space, this is something I heard Luke Roman. In fact, this whole topic he's been talking about quite a bit recently, right? He has been for a while. I just heard him recently. Um, this crowding out of debt markets by the U.S. Treasury market. And so you have this whole pie of debt that has to be bought, corporate debt. Uh, consumer debt, and of course, national debt. And as you add more and more national debt to that, well, somebody's going to buy all this debt. So that means other rates are going to rise as well. And this ultimately leads us back to, there's got to be somebody else that's going to fund these deficits and and overall buy all this debt up off the markets because the alternative is very high interest rates, crushing interest rates. Now, I, I think you guys already know who that buyer is going to be. That's going to be, it has to be the Federal Reserve. It has to be the Federal Reserve. And so this goes back to kind of number three, talking about foreign governments and, and their decreased uh, tolerance for these rising deficits. At what point, and I th- I'm sure many foreign central bankers and, 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 and foreign investors, et cetera, have maybe already come to this realization, but at what point? Does this kind of everybody, including the market as a whole, realize that this deficit spending is going to have to be financed by quantitative easing, by debt monetization? Because once they realize that, I think over a very short time span, you're going to see that priced into the markets. You're going to see the dollar devalued significantly. You're going to see much, much higher inflation. Never mind just the inflation of the money supply, but also just in terms of, of rising prices and falling value and purchasing value of the dollar. Now, it's not to say that other currencies can't fall as well, right? The euro, the yen, the yuan, the pound, etc. They could fall by even more over this time span, 
right, because of how their central banks and governments react to this inevitable, uh, you know, global economic slowdown. But the U.S. dollar in particular, I think, is, is going to be hit pretty hard. And, and on one hand, this is going to, in theory, help the U.S. government because, you know, uh, a major devaluation of the U.S. dollar is, is going to make any debt that's held by the U.S. government, by consumers, by, by corporates, corporations, uh, look less daunting, right? Not as threatening, especially with something like a 50% devaluation in five years. Again, going back to my original prediction. But... There's also the other side of that. Who holds that debt? And what is that going to do to their asset holdings? I mean, there's no easy way out of this, okay? And so if you have a massive devaluation, massive amount of inflation over that time span, what is that going to do to things like uh, treasury bonds, again, held by foreign governments, by by domestic, uh, of course, foreign investors, and then domestic uh, uh, you know, investors, uh, pension funds, etc. Um, ultimately, if yields are kept low, and of course they go high, then we go back to the 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 uh, rising um, uh, the, the the rising costs to fund the debt, as well as the, the influence in the economy of rising debts. But if they stay low, what is that going to do to the their value of those holdings are going to decrease significantly? Right. Same thing goes for those that hold the corporate bonds. And so this goes beyond or, or, or consumer debt. Right. This goes beyond just those that that have lots of debt being somewhat let off the hook because they don't have to pay as much. Right. This goes to the heart of of everybody that not just holds the U.S. dollar, but even debt that is denominated in U.S. dollars. Right. The value of it is going to go down just as much as the U.S. dollar will. This is going to be overall just inflation, devaluation of the U.S. dollar. I think it's going to be highly disruptive to the U.S. economy, to, to the global economy. And, and I think it's going to be something that, that will be seen as, as a real turning point. You know, in some ways you could look at something like the creation of the Federal Reserve, Bretton Woods, uh, post-World War II, the, the end of the gold standard and the inflation experience during the 70s. You could see those as turning points, the financial crisis, QEs, 0% interest rates, etc. Those are all turning points. And I think this next recession and, and how the dollar and how the markets will respond, I think that's going to be the next uh, you know, leg down, if you will, the next turning point. Now, will it accelerate? You know, could we be looking at a 90%, 95% devaluation? Could we be looking at a new reserve currency, worldwide reserve currency, precious metals backed or, or fiat. We, I mean, these are all tertiary topics. These are all great questions that, that I've talked about in the past or can talk about in the future. Um, but, but I think what's really important to understand here is, is that this inflation or this, this drop in the value of the dollar that we're experiencing right now, I, I think pales in comparison to what will happen once we have a recession once people realize that deficit funding in the future will, will largely be supplied by the Federal Reserve, once people realize that uh, deficits absolutely do matter, I mean, all of these things, once they play out, uh, I think whatever inflation we're experiencing now, which is hard to tell because I, I certainly don't buy the official numbers, but whatever it is, I think we're going to be looking at much, much higher inflation and a much larger devaluation of the dollar. And, and again, you have to ask yourself, uh, I, I shouldn't see it again, but but you know, what are investors going to be thinking during this time span? You know, what are they going to want to get to, into? Because obviously, we're talking about bonds here, corporate debt, 
or, or, or government debt. And I think that that's not going to be a very attractive option unless the prices are very low and the yields are very high. Okay. And so other than that, you have stocks, obviously equities, um, which I see as very overvalued right now. And I don't think they're going to benefit from all of this economic turmoil or currency turmoil. No. Um, and, and then you have, you know, obviously currencies. That's that's when we're talking about high inflation and devaluation there. I mean, there's other options, but really it leaves us down to to things like uh, commodities, real estate and, and uh, precious metals, which some people would consider a commodity. But I think there's going to be a lot of interest. In. And again, it goes back to, to what I've talked about so many times in this channel, that we don't need the entire uh, investment community scrambling for gold and silver, especially when it comes to silver. Uh, even just a small percentage of that money heading into the silver market, I think would make a huge difference. Um, and, and I think any devaluation of the dollar, you know, 50%, whatever it is, I think that that would be far more multiplied. Let's say the dollar value is cut in half. I don't just see silver doubling in price or gold doubling in price. I think it's going to be much, much larger than that because of the demand and because of the future expectations of higher and higher inflation in the future. And and the other thing that we have to talk about, we have to talk about is geopolitical and domestic political concerns. What is this going to look like at the political level here in the United States? And what is it going to look like on the international level? Is the U.S. going to choose to try and and lash out during these types of time periods, whether it's whether it's for distraction or to try and consolidate power? Are we going to lash out on, on Venezuela or on Iran or, or, hey, even Russia or China or North Korea, right? Is that type of, of lashing out, that type of, of, of uh, trying to... to to reposition ourselves as as the the uh, dominant superpower in the world is that going to take place? And then domestically, you got to ask yourself what's going to what's it going to look like, right? What is the next you know two roughly two years of Donald Trump's presidency going to look like? What is the election going to look like? I think it's going to be pretty ugly. I think it's going to be very polarized, right? Are we going to move into the realm of domestic uh, or societal unrest? Uh, riots, mass, mass protests over things like like inflation or, or lost jobs, unemployment, etc. Are you going to continue to see this big move to the left in socialism? Um, will Donald Trump win or lose the next election? These are, these are all great questions. And I think that w- without getting into specific predictions here about what it's going to look like, I think as a broad statement, we can say we're going to see increased polarization, increased political um, upheaval and uncertainty. I think you're going to see more and more unrest and even violence. And that's just domestically. And, and globally, I think it's a fair bet to say that we're going to see U.S. foreign policy become more and more aggressive. And, and I think we're going to become, and paradoxically, we're going to isolate ourselves, right? The, the whole idea of isolationism or isolationists, uh, you know, dates back to, to, probably pre-World War One, you know, the idea of, or even before that, right, even the founding fathers, that maybe the U.S. should kind of focus on, on our own country, stay in our lane, and and limit our, our uh, uh, interference overseas. Um, and yet, I think what's going to happen is we're going to become increasingly uh, uh, meddling, we're going to meddle more and more, we're, we're going to become more aggressive. And that's, again, paradoxically, or, or whatever, going to, to isolate us more 
because more and more governments are going to basically shun us or 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 uh, position themselves away from us because of what we're doing. We're 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 still going to maybe have some friends, maybe the UK or something like Canada, something like that, but. But um, more and more, I think we're going to be isolated because of, of economic or even military options that, that we choose to undertake uh, overseas. But again, this is I think we're, we're moving into a very dangerous time period. Um, and I'm not going to tell you how to protect yourself or that you should. I'm simply just providing this information and my own prediction. Um, so obviously, don't take this as investment advice uh, or advice, period. There's plenty of maybe advice that I give on this channel or thoughts on this. And, and certainly maybe I'm pointing you in a certain direction. But uh, ultimately, this comes down to your own personal decision, your own personal convictions. Um, but I will tell you that my own personal convictions are that we're moving into, again, I don't know when this will begin, a year from now, two years from now, maybe it's just beginning now. But as we move into this next recession, this next period of high deficits, and this next period of uh, just decreased um uh, confidence in the dollar globally and domestically, it's it's going to get pretty ugly pretty quickly, and and I think something like a fifty percent devaluation in five years is not at all out of the question. So, I hope you enjoyed this video. I hope you enjoyed this kind of comprehensive talk about this subject. And and I said comprehensive, but we can go so much deeper into this. And I'm sure we will again in the future. So, I hope that if you enjoyed this. Uh, please hit that like button, comment if you have thoughts, questions, etc. Subscribe. All those things help me out a ton. By no means feel feel obligated to, but they do help me out and my channel out a ton. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the number one thing that you can do to support me and my work in this channel is something you've already done, and that is watch this video or listen to this podcast. So thank you for that from the bottom of my heart, and God bless.